0: the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. They show that empower you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I am Francine Belay, your host, digital and change strategist, specialized in personal branding. I am also a speaker and author of the book, Personal Branding in the Digital Age, How to Become a Known Expert, thrive and make a difference in a connected world. I am super thrilled to bring you inspirational stories, strategies and practical tips to get more meaning in your work and in your life, earn more money and lead a movement to change the world. I am on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs who struggle to attract their idle clients When they work with me, they find a clear, profound message that position them as an authority in their field, easily attract their ideal client and impact thousands of people globally. One of the biggest problems I see with purpose-driven entrepreneurs is that they've got big ideas and great vision. But when you look at their brand, you can't see any of that, which means they are putting all this work, their heart and their soul into it, but they are not really seeing the return because nobody knows what they do. It doesn't have to be that way. And I would love to help you with that. I am offering a mini brand audit session so I can look at where you are with your brand where you want to be, and together we look at the biggest things that are getting in your way. It is completely free and it's 30 minutes that can radically change the way you see your brand and how others see it as well. To apply for a mini brand audit, go to francinebelli.com slash audit. That's dot com slash audit. Well, today I have the great pleasure to have on the show Mega Bradley, who is a business and life transformation strategist, and she's one part veteran entrepreneur and one part spiritual healer and teacher. She uses this powerful combination to facilitate the healing and next level success strategy of ambitious business owners, coaches, and healers. Hi, Mega. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Tell me in your own words what you currently do.
1: I really help people uh, find their unshakable truth in, in in every area of their life, so that when they line up their business with um, really everything that comes up against them, they are convicted and supported in who they are and what they do. So it's like I equip people.
0: Yeah. So that, that's wonderful. So what would you say is your purpose right now? Because I love asking people also, what's your purpose? Somebody told me we shouldn't be asking people what you do, but rather what is your purpose?
1: (laughs) I love that. I, yeah, absolutely. So my purpose is to help transform cycles of generational abuse and poverty. So that's my a number one purpose on this planet.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. We'll come back to it later and find <laughs> out, you know, how on earth you got there. <laughs> before, be, before we get there, tell me, which job did you want to do when you were kids?
1: I wanted to be an architect.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, where was uh, that inspiration from? Somebody in your family was architect,
1: or No, I just, I, I, well, I'm an artist already, but I, I was always just fascinated with the, um, the design of buildings and the, the depth of architecture. And, and I used to read and study like Versailles actually, funny enough. Oh. I, I, was, I was fascinated with the creation of buildings. Yeah. And do you speak French? I used to speak French. I took it for four years and I actually used to write book reports in French, but I don't remember any of it now.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) That's interesting. So, yeah. So, and now do you think that there's any link with uh, your kind of uh, dream of being an architect and what you're currently doing?
1: Well, I help people architect their lives now. So I guess I I stayed on the strategy (laughs) side of things.
0: Yes, there's often kind of a very kind of a direct link. Uh, sometimes it takes different forms of what we wanted to do when we were kids and what we are currently doing uh, <laughs> yes. eventually when we find our path, actually. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. It's kind of catching us. <laughs> I love
1: that question. I, I haven't think. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question, but it's, it's actually like, oh, now that I think about it, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Not we so is there anything that people don't know about you, Mega?
1: <laughs> well, there's all kinds of things. I'm quite an interesting human being, um, but aren't we all? Um most people have no idea that I know how to milk a cow because I'm a farm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where did you learn that?
1: <laughs> Living on the farm. We had um we had like three cows and uh, when I was a little kid, one part of my job was to go out and literally tie the cow up to the little fence thing and milk her and hope she didn't (laughs) step on my feet (laughs) how was that milk i I wish that i i I, milk
0: also a cow when i was going to have like how was the milk compared to the milk that we see actually
1: oh my gosh the milk is so much better and and you know it's it's just raw milk is is something some people are like oh my gosh that's disgusting but it's it's so (laughs) rich and and um, I never broke a bone as a kid. I was I was oh. a rough kid. They used to say, you know, milk does a body good. And I know now today they're like, oh no, milk doesn't do a body good. But I grew up with raw, you know, I guess organic milk, and uh, <laughs> it turned out okay.
0: <laughs> I love that milking a cow. So that, you haven't milked a cow since
1: i have not milked a in about 30 30 40 years something like that 35 years i guess
0: yeah <laughs> okay so that's wonderful so now let's uh, talk about meaningful work meaningful life so when did you realize who you are and what you're meant to do in life you tell us about your purpose earlier i don't know if this is definitely what uh, you know something that you yeah. realize who you are and when was that and how you know tell us the circumstances of that
1: well, I, I grew up with a very abusive childhood and I grew up with, um, you know, a, kind of like a story that some people are like, when are you going to make the movie for it? And I went on to be an adult who coped and had developed, um, there's a meme that runs around out there. It says I've developed a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms for my, my trauma. And that's what I did for the better part of my 20s. And I built a very successful business in my 20s. And, but I still hadn't done any work on myself. And then I hired, um, I had a massage therapy business. I used to, I was a healer and I still am a healer, obviously, but different modality. And I hired someone who eventually ended up getting into personal development work. And she came back to me one day and it was, I was in my early thirties. My life was falling apart. I mean, it was imploding. And she says, you know, Mega, you live your life like a victim. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was indignant about it and, and so she's like I'm, I'm you know you need to come take this class with me and I'm like no 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 I figured my life out mm-hmm. and uh, I, I you know I've done pretty well considering the circumstances but uh, she eventually got me to take the class and it was in that moment in this class so that was in 2006 it was um, June
0: 2006
1: mm-hmm. and I went through the class and it's called the landmark forum. If anybody listening oh, yeah. has ever heard of yeah. landmark Forum. Yes.
0: I, we, we know them quite a lot in the UK. They are quite
1: uh, big. Okay. Mm. So I took the landmark forum and in the course of that exercise, I was told, you know, what is the context for your life? And I said context for my life. And you know, I was challenged to look at what context I was living in and I was living in the context of being a victim. Really, I was looking in the context of using my excuses as the opportunity to get people to have sympathy for me. And I had managed to become pretty successful with all of that in the process. And th- she said, You know, I don't want you, I want you to. I had to do an exercise that she's like, You have to go forgive this person. And I said, uh, No, for sure, I'm going to get a hall pass. So I'm going to tell you this incredibly bad story about my life. And everyone always takes sympathy for me. So you are too. And she looked at me and she says, No. I want you to come back and tell me what an empowering context is for your life where you will continue to have the same thing happen to you for the rest of your life. And I was mad and indignant. And I think I cussed her out and you know, I went marched off and said, I can't believe I paid for this and did all that stuff that we do. <laughs> and uh, so, but then out of that, I determined that in the, in the framework of surviving my life and creating circumstances and adapting, I had created a context of perpetuating the things that had hurt me, and then using them as the basis and identity of my life. And so I, in the confrontation of that moment when she said create an empowering context for your life, go from being abused and being, I had just found my family, I had just found my father, found out I was black at 32 years old, that I, up until then, didn't even know that I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on at, at this age and, um, she, uh, uh, and so in that moment I said, I am going to create the context that I'm here to help transform generational cycles of abuse and poverty. And she says, there, now you got it. <laughs> and then I was like, great. Now what do I do with this? Um, and I've spent the last four, sixteen, wow, I guess 14 years. Yeah. Do math. Good uh living into that commitment. that I spoke that day. Mm.
0: And uh, between the time that you realized that, and, um, you know, w- when you did is it was still during, um, this learning of uh, landmark forum that you've mm-hmm. uh, got that, uh, insight between that insight and you getting to do what you are doing, how long did it take
1: you to, to, to do that. Um, it took me from it was so 2006 was the aha moment. Mm -hmm. 2009, I got an opportunity to go to Honduras and speak at a humanitarian conference, which I did. And, uh, you know, I told I went there with this whole like hand raised, I'm here to help liberate the women and everything. And they said, you better sit down and shut up and figure out how you just cover that as save the children, or you're gonna get killed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they said they don't want women to be empowered you you better change it uh so that was the first time and that was a big aha i actually started a pilot project and the and the way that i made the context of bringing this to life was i was a virtual assistant at the time and um even my business name today is called higher humanity for this reason and 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 it was originally higher hire as in get somebody to work and i've changed it but the context is still the same and it's that we have to bridge the generational and financial gap of poverty in order to shift the cycle of abuse and the victim mm-hmm. behavior. And so I went and spoke at this conference. I had a pilot program. And so I began realizing and living it with, I guess, within about three years, three to four years. Um, in 2014, then I had an, a near-death experience. I was actually working on a project to go to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and work with women in, in Saudi Arabia. We were getting a, raising the money to get a an entire security team together and go work with the women who have become sort of dis, uh, what is it, dis, disconnected from society as a result of being divorced. And um, in that day, I was literally on the way to that meeting to prepare to go and was um, hit from behind by a texting driver and me and my son and my business partner were almost killed. Wow. And I actually had crossed out of my body, had a near death experience. And the only thing that I kept, that kept me anchored here was that in the fading moments, like literally seeing the white light and people screaming at me to stay away from it. <laughs> I remembered why I was here and that I hadn't really lived out my life's purpose. And, I, and and as a result of that, I I was like, I can't die here. And I didn't. Really? Yeah, and you were
0: conscious during the time that you were having that near death
1: experience? That- I, I had a out of, well, I figured out that they figured out that I actually crossed in and out of my body in the moment when the impact happened. Because I had a witness report that I gave to the police, and they're like, "That you, there's no way you actually had that from inside the car. Everything went to black and gray and then came back to regular. Uh, color and then I was literally fading to the white light. I had this pulsating electric uh, blue, um, like electric blue marquees, and this white light. And I was totally at peace. And I could have gone. I I, I was I wasn't worried about my son. I wasn't worried about anything. And when they were screaming at me because the uh, the car, I was pinned in the vehicle. So they were holding onto my hand while we waited for the helicopter to land. And when they were screaming at me, <laughs> stay because somebody said, stay away from the light. And I'm like, I see the light. It's fine. You know, like I'm going to go to sleep now. And they're like, don't go to sleep. And now I understand uh, more about that type of experience. But in that moment I was like, I really could, I, I, I could have like nothing was in my presence. I was peaceful. Yeah. And, and then they said, talk to us, talk to us about anything. And I'm like, I, i really, I, I don't know. And then I remembered, wait a minute, my life's purpose is to have do this work. Mm -hmm. And why I'm here is this. And it like all sort of flooded back in the best I can say, I sort of came back into my physical, like, I'm not going to die here on this highway. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That is
0: powerful, actually. Wow. That's really <laughs> yeah, quite, uh, you know, very powerful moment. And then now today, um, so since 2014, so to now, so that like uh, six years that you are mm-hmm. just really living this purpose and embodying really,
1: that. Really embodying it. Yeah. So after that happened, I had to learn to walk again. My hips had been shattered. I had a four month old son who, I thank God for my friends who took care of him. And and my, in my ex-husband, uh, you know, obviously he was there. But everybody's life was sort of turned upside down. We had to move. We had, we had to relocate to a different city while I had went through rehab. And um, when I came out of that, I was when I was laying in the hospital bed, I was in ICU for over two weeks, and I didn't really get the comprehensive fact that when you're in ICU, it means you still might not make it. Um, and when I was when I was in ICU, I. I was trying to think, like, what can I do differently to do this? Because once you've had that sort of a wake up call in your life, which I pray for most people, they never have to have that level of a wake up call. And I hope that part of my life purpose is to help people not have to go to to that level of extent. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to go there. No, my my thing (laughs) is like,
0: please help us before.
1: (laughs) My thing is do as I say, not as I do. Um, I have a very experiential life, but um, I've taken a lot of that out. I found out a lot of that was generational trauma. Uh, So in the process after that, I continued healing because, of course, that surfaced so much of my own stuff I was hanging on to. And I, so I learned to walk again. Yeah. I still had my business. And I said, I've got to start helping people because I am healing the things that are making it possible for me to survive. This are things that are, I had already done some ancestral healing work, which was to take trauma out of the cellular level of our body are out of my body. And so I had already started unwinding. And I thought, man, if I had not done any of that work and this had happened to me, I don't know if I would have made it. Mm. So I ended up getting trained to become a scientific hand analyst and do something called human design. So I learned how to actually help people identify life purpose. And I had also taken the passion test. This was another thing that, that was the, the, you know, in addition to the landmark forum, I went landmark forum to the passion test, which yeah, is a New York facility. Trans- yes. Yeah, Janet Atwood. <laughs> yeah, trans- and, and today I have recently just become a certified passion test facilitator okay. because mm-hmm. like, and so I, you know, I've been stacking up. I like to be very well educated. So, you know, I've gotten very stacked up on my education and mm-hmm. becoming more and more confident in the clients I've worked with. And now I really fully embody, you know, we are continuously evolving as human beings. I am far from perfect, nor will I ever be. And I do my own work. I have a lot of people around me. I've changed the circles of the people I associate with, which was a big part of the evolution mm. of where I am today. Yeah. And by that, I mean people who will call me out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people who are up to the same level of things in the world that I am. So there's a lot of things that happened in the life shift process to end up for me, for having arrived where I am. And then in 2018, I got an angelic guidance message that I didn't solicit, which was uh, the time is urgent and now for you to do your work. And I said, can't we just put that off? And they said, no, there's no more time. (laughs) (laughs) Which work it was or Oh I knew it. You, it. Yeah, well you this really work. Knew it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This okay. this work. Well it specifically mm. given the context because each one of us comes with a different experience and a particular path that we come to to obviously impact the world. In my experience, it's religious trauma. It's to help people reestablish the relationship with God that has been yanked away from them by some sort of, it could be a bad example. You know, it could be somebody at church that they sat beside who made them just go, oh gosh, you know what, this is hypocrisy and I'm leaving the church or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a spiritual deep, uh, it's about, for me, it's, it's, it's to help people to reconnect with the divine and I'm not here to beat people over the head about which name they call God. <laughs> I am here to help people find that faith which has been dis- uh, disembodied within them and return it to them. Because when you look at around the world today, um, that's, how we, that's how we survive. That's how I survived in that moment. If I strip it all down, it was past purposes because I knew that I'd been created for something greater.
0: Mm-hmm. and today how how do you find those people or you know get those people that you are called to help do you think that those are specific people how do you go about this tell me
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know the funny thing is <clears throat> and you had this experience when you went out to my linkedin and you went to different a lot of times people come to me i I rarely actually, and I'm working on creating group programs so I can bring a lot more people, a lot more service, a lot faster. But most people who work with me, I don't know if you've ever heard this expression or if you're familiar with like medicine women and shamans, you know, they say, Oh, the shaman appears when you're the teacher appears in here. When, when uh, yes, when, when you're ready, ready yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I have had divine interventions where I've crossed paths with people and they're like, I was praying and here you are. And sometimes I get divine, um, I get it's called audience. I'll get a statement. And I'll walk up to somebody, I'm like, I don't know why I'm saying this to you, but I just had this message that I'm supposed to give to you. It makes no sense to me. And here's the message. And they're like, oh, I was just praying about that. I'm like, okay. And so a lot of different ways, but usually trusting that the persons who are supposed to work with me will work with me because, um, because of the nature of the work I do. Mm -hmm. Um, the work I do is really, it's, it's part strategic. I'm a 20-year entrepreneur, right? Like I can go totally left-brain strategy. I used to be a social media strategist. I still manage a software project. I mean, like I can go totally left-brain on you. But I have found that trusting the process in business, in every area of business and life, is that the right people I am attracting to me, those who are aligned with me. And that means if I'm having a really crappy day, And someone shows up that's crappy. I go, Ooh, what am I putting out? What am I getting back? Mm. And so I think it's always about that. And a lot of times um, I attract people based on them being ready to step into a new chapter in their
0: Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I think that powerful actually um, what you say. And yes, so perhaps yes, as you say, when they are ready, because you do this kind of profound work. I'm working with a friend now who also is a shamanic coach and um, Mm -hmm. she also say the same thing. You know, she say people who need to work with her, find her because she doesn't do surface level things. (laughs) Yeah really 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 deep <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you are just here just to improve stuff is not you have to be ready to do the work you have to be you know have explore everything else and yeah. not working and then you come to <laughs> yeah yeah i think those people are finding themselves um uh, and are finding the ways to find uh, you know to get to 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 those uh, healers and teachers, that is fabulous. Actually, to hear all those things. So, tell me, uh, what did you did you think that you have struggled
1: with the most in life? I have most struggled with procrastination. <laughs> like me, <laughs> people don't know that I, about me. I am a master procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put. I well, it's it, it's a combination of one of the things I've learned about procrastination. <laughs> oftentimes procrastination is directly correlated with twitting too much on your plate <laughs> yes, at least you. in my experience because yes. we're either in avoidance mm. or we are in optimism. oh it, I, you know it's like it, it turns for me it's eternal optimism i can think i can accomplish That's in five so. hours what i yeah. can what actually takes me 15 <laughs> or even five days and i think yeah. I can do this in uh, two hours, <laughs> and then I get
0: oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, one, <laughs> yeah. No, that that's definitely that. So you you, and then how do you find your way out of your procrastination?
1: <laughs> Usually by force. Um, so <laughs> <still> working <laughs> on that one, um, I I typically it's I, I'm the eleventh hour person. I I don't I one of the things that I do with human design is that they're you know energetically we're built differently you know every single human being has a different auric register like the field of energy that buzzes off of them and I honestly make the most inspired and powerful work last minute pushed against the wall with all the pressure and and so I think that it's come down to taking on fewer things. I think one of the best pieces of advice I've received in recent time and long term is to put three things on your list for the day and everything else gets added in. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that. And I've found that along with that, there also comes, you can put three things on your list, but make sure it's not like build a, a bridge and a <laughs> building and you know, it has to be chunked down. So, <laughs> That's how I work with it. I'm working on chunking down the pieces, and also learning to be in acceptance of what doesn't get done, so that I don't feel like a failure when I haven't finished all that giant stuff that I bit off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yes. Are you a morning person or evening person?
1: I am a night owl. Oh, it is. <laughs> like tomorrow night, I have an appointment at 11:30 at night with somebody that's in Bali to have a conversation. Oh, yeah. It's like that's no problem. Sure, I'll just get on the phone with <laughs> them. <laughs> and then what time do you go to bed then? One. One, 1
0: okay. 30. Yeah. I One get minute. up around
1: seven. Yeah. Seven thirty. I can't usually sleep past six hours. Mm, yeah. People tell me about these restful eight hours of sleep. Yeah. I'm like, I, don't, yeah, I don't. You know. Yeah. Me too actually. I kind of
0: uh it's not that I resisted eight hours, but I mostly do six hours. Sometimes when I'm tired, I do eight hours. So, yeah, yes, I mostly do
1: six hours.
0: That's
1: all. Kindred yeah. spirit,
0: exactly. But I'm an early bird, very early. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: no, I'm, I'm not an early bird. The only way I'm, I'm an early it. bird is if I just stay up all night and meet you on the other side of 4
0: <laughs> Yeah, so okay, so tell me actually. What actually would you say was your very, very low point until you got an aha moment that changed the course of your life?
1: The very low point was the uh, time when I had lost, I had gone from making, you know, 60, $70,000 cash flow a month in my business to having um, the uh, IRS because they, we didn't, uh, my ex-husband didn't pay the payroll taxes send the checks. Uh, so we had the IRS, we had the, the uh, mortgage company, we had everybody coming <laughs> for their dues. And I, this was back before I started doing any work. And, and so that was before my spiritual crisis went full fledged. And so all of that was happening and my relationship was falling apart. So my marriage, my business, everything literally was burning around me. Wow. And uh, that was the low point. I I really didn't know. I was living in my friend's spare bedroom in her two bedroom, or actually she had a house, but I was I was in the spare bedroom mm-hmm. with nothing basically, and um, thinking to myself, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and but it was how, a lot of a, yeah. Huh? How would you say that? Would you say
1: that it has been a blessing in these guys? Yes. Yes, absolutely. If I've learned one thing over and over, it is that when something comes to us that brings what would seem to be ruin to us, if we meet it as though it is the destruction, it will, it will take out every bit of sanity we have. But if we, can stop and say, what's this teaching me? <laughs> and what did I lose that I didn't, isn't mine anymore? Then amazing things can happen. And I think if I've all the things I've learned, um, the times I have over three times or four times in my life, I've been homeless from when I left home when I was a kid. I have been, I've had that experience. Um, I've had another experience where I had to literally pack everything that only fit in my car. And every time when seemingly everything went from I have it all to I don't, I have nothing, my life has expanded. So mm-hmm. I don't welcome that. And now I walk in a more conscious understanding of how I manifested that level of catharsis. But we don't necessarily know when the next divine lesson is coming our way and sometimes it may mean that everything gets ripped out of our hands and if we can stay prayerful hands open and say what do you have for me that i couldn't get myself there is a divine plan greater than than what i can come up with yeah 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 i think that we all we all go there sometime when
0: we face that wall, and there's no way you can see any light. <laughs> yeah. you, you turn it everywhere. You say, "How on earth am I going getting? Am, am I going to get out of this situation?" But as you say, you know, just you know, is it what we just say, surrender, and um, just trust that things will, you know, um, turn out right. So I I think that, um, you know, the key point here is uh, one thing that you say is that what is teaching me is something that we don't ask often. So when we are in this, you know, kind of situation where kind of nothing looks like it is going to be good anytime soon. Yeah. We just kind of panic and try to figure out ourselves with our own head right. and um, not the least or the last thing that we ask is what is this teaching me? Of course, we don't. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but yeah, if you can get that one wired in in the emergency uh, backup system, it, it woof, wow, it can change something really quickly. Yeah,
0: I think that is a key point, actually, asking what is this teaching me at any time, (laughs) even in this COVID time, you know. Yes, again, in this COVID time, you know, a lot of people are losing jobs, all kind of, you know, we we really don't know where to turn to. And uh, going and telling somebody to say, what is this teaching me <laughs> the people might be looking at you say hey i'm losing my job i'm losing everything what do you mean they uh, asking what this is teaching me how would you react to such a kind of uh you know asking if people really really can't get their
1: head around this <laughs> well, no, you know i tell people to put their hand on their heart mm. because um you know we end up up here mm. you know Judgments, societal suggestions, things our friends say, social media, the news—like all this crud—ends up up here, and we end up up here. But that's not where we actually. That's not where our higher self, our soul, actually lives. Our soul is anchored, and that's why the heart chakra is. That's where unconditional. That is where the anchor is. The anchor for us is in our heart, and that's why we say, you know. And some people say, oh. I've had people say, oh, but the Bible says, you know, don't trust your heart. It's where the deception is. Yeah, well, you know what? Get in your body. I don't care exactly how you do it. <laughs> but many times we end up in our head and actually kind of get out of our body. And our body has truth that we don't even tune into. And even right now in the COVID situation which of course in America right now I mean we've been kind of we've almost like there's a meme that's like hey there's is COVID still around because we got so much bigger stuff going on at the moment than COVID and COVID actually reflects grief lungs is grief the body different have different emotions show up in every different area of the body and uh the lungs are grief so what are you not grieving If, if you know somebody who's dealing with COVID you say okay you know, what is to be grieved? But if you look at this collective, we got a millions, million, I don't, I forget what the count is right now, three million people who are dealing with this. It's collective. It's like, there's, a, what are we not grieving as a collective?
0: That's um, a very good insight, actually. Um, you know, making uh, that connection that long is uh, grieving and uh, asking what, Yes. Yeah what are we not grieving? That's very powerful actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. To, to understand this, um, this situation and yes, getting back again, as you say, in our body, you know, is very important. I've only also been, you know, understanding that part only recently from my friends, because I've been too much in my head, so much in my head and uh, yes, not, you know, even listening to my body. So now it's just the time to listen to my body. And if you don't listen to your body, your body is going to really uh, make you listen <laughs> to
1: it, right? Yeah, it does tend
0: of, to do that. All yes. that <laughs> of illnesses, right? Or accidents yeah. or whatever. So I think is, you know, we got to be able to listen to that before it's too late or we get to that kind of, you know, very extreme point where we have no choice really if we are paralyzed or we are on the bed in ICU we have no choice right (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) we can make those choices now and um, you know find our way in in that case you know what will be some practice that people you know you can um, you know uh, suggest some people to do to get back in their bodies rather than being in their head all the time
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, well, walking is one of the best ways, it's the easiest, you know, as long as you have the capacity to walk. If you don't, then, you know, literally sitting and meditating on nature. But, you know, our bodies are, even if it's laying in bed and actually taking five deep breaths and, and um, you know, one of my meditation teachers uses the four breaths in through the nose and four breaths out through the nose. And, and even if you do that for a minute before you step out of bed, you get in your body. Um, because you know, a whole separate conversation, but sleep actually the soul is actually a little bit disconnected from the body. And, and so many times we are disconnected from ourselves when we get out of bed if we're especially if we whole thing the first thing we do is open up Facebook and see the latest nonsense in the world. Um, we just immediately don't go in our body. So leaving the phone off is another way. Um, at night, making sure the phone or the whichever stimulus that is outside that keeps you in your head is put away. Mm-hmm. And so there a lot of times it's about movement, it's about breathing and dancing dancing mm. is one of my favorite ways. I'm actually getting ready to start a community like. Really? That dance movement is is it online i'm gonna do it online i'm gonna do it on zoom so facebook doesn't like get rid of the the thing because it violates a music thing or whatever oh yeah and i'm gonna start doing dance parties because you know oftentimes when i work with people who are really locked up i mean they're resentful or they're angry or they're grieving or whatever Mm. we don't try we don't we stop moving Like, that's one of the things, like, because the movement itself releases so much energy out of us. Yes. And it's also part of the reason, which, Mm. you know, I realized in talking to you, I'm like, oh, wow, there's so many different topics (laughs) I can go down. But part of the reason why dancing has been made bad by some organizations and and doctrines is because it is, it sort of, it makes you a little wild. It sets Mm. you free. It gets you... Back in tune with the power of yourself, and that's why it's been locked down, in my opinion, um, and why we've been told not to dance.
0: Yeah, all kind of stuff that uh, liberates us are yes. being labeled, like even meditation as well has been labeled mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be meditating. This is oh, yeah. I don't know whatever. <laughs> yeah how can that be something yeah. that is liberating you be against some kind of high principle? I really don't yeah. get my head around this one. Oh, so. yeah, well,
1: Can I go on that one for a second? Yes. Go on. <laughs> well, the reason is back to the real mission of like, when I say I'm here to end the generational abuse and poverty, it's mm. because of the fact that when you have somebody be able to be liberated, They think for themselves. They choose Mm. differently. And if they can choose differently and they can love themselves internally and they can experience power from within, then they are dangerous because they are no longer bound by the restrictions of those who benefit from their suppression. Mm.
0: And those who benefit from this kind of suppression, can't they find a higher way of benefiting themselves rather than, you know, benefiting mm-hmm. from other people that they put done because this can't be sustainable. It can't, it can't, it can't go on forever.
1: Well, that you have just hit on what the angelic message was that I got a year and a half ago. A human consciousness is on the evolution. And you know everybody's. If you go back history, everybody's like, "Oh, is this the end of the world? This is the end of the world." And and it's not ever the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Mm. (laughs) And when the end of the world as we know it is, we look back in our lives. How many times has our world really ended? How many Mm. times has a relationship ended? How many times has something ended that we thought would never end? And one of the things that happens is that those who are in power, who have become used to benefiting from whether it's a corporation and the CEOs at the heads of those corporations, or whether it's a oppressive person in your life, it doesn't matter how grand or minimal, it really doesn't matter because control is control.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: And, uh, but the thing is, is that you have to, and this is the forgiveness process and I am huge proponent of, you cannot do your own healing until you do your own forgiveness. There's mm. just that you can't get out of it without the other. And you have to understand that if you took the look at the person who's behind whatever circumstance and say, wow, that person's really unsavory. This Mm -hmm. person's really operating in some really nasty and horrible oppressive ways. And if you will start to look at their history of who they are, it never means you have to tolerate their behavior, but if you can understand who they are and where they came from and where those rotten beliefs anchored, Mm. And understand that the foundation of their house was cracked from day one, or maybe it cracked somewhere in their life where money became more important than other human beings, or whatever. Then, if you begin to understand the root of evil, if you will, it is that each of us can end up with root rot (laughs) in our souls. And every single corporation leader of this world, every single one of those is another human being. Hmm. And some ideology framed that behavior that they find acceptable Mm. and if they can elevate their consciousness or if we collectively can elevate enough consciousness around them collective consciousness is actually the trick and therefore it is becoming less sustainable for those things to be tolerated because the consciousness is rising yeah 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 I get that yes, I get that
0: <laughs> yes, because if those people are not going to be actually um yes um you know giving whatever um yes, I totally understand why they will not want therefore us to be liberated and yeah. <laughs> and have this collective conscious uh, you know collective consciousness and therefore put them aside. But this is inevitable. This is how I see it anyway. It's uh,
1: inevitable.
0: (laughs) It is. Yeah, no matter how much you try to suppress, this is not going to be, um, you know, it's like putting some gas in a bottle. One day it's going to bang, you know, in your face.
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yes. And, and, you know, uh, the day that I I have, uh, sometimes when I work with people, I work with people who are the abuser in the relationship and in that process I can't stand in the space and sometimes I work with both people like because I work with couples and partners and, and things like that and sometimes you really understand the story of this person's acting this way I have to sit and have a conversation with them do you understand the repercussions of the way you're acting and the way you're acting is because you were taught that and do you understand the cost? And most people never get that conversation. They never get the conversation of what's the cost of my action. They just simply act in the re mm. reaction yep. mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. of what they're doing. Mm. And having a, a,
0: a, speci- a, a I think, a, a mediator in between or somebody who's neutral <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because somebody else might be triggering them. <laughs> yes. Obviously, then someone neutral is uh, at least, you know, <laughs> not triggering them, and then they can actually um, intellect or, or, you know, get some kind of consciousness uh, around that. That's really beautiful, actually. Wow. That, that's the most powerful thing you're doing, <laughs> Omega. My gosh. So yeah. um, tell me, um, when you look back, obviously, at your childhood, what would mm-hmm. you say or how would you say that it has prepared you to be who you are today?
1: Well, this is, uh, I take pause because this is a conversation I'm getting called to have. And it's still a little scary to have it. It's just, it's a big conversation. I am understanding now that my childhood, which was uh, under the parenting of someone who was a proud white Anglo Saxon Protestant family from South Georgia, uh, fought in the Civil War on the Confederate side and had slaves. And I didn't know at the time, like I said, I found out at 32 that I was black. I did not understand how much the knowledge that I have about that circumstance puts me in the middle of the road, like literally to understand this oppression. And it doesn't, you can trade out the walk-on players you can you can trade out jews for blacks for whoever wherever you can go to africa right now and find people who are oppressing it doesn't matter where you go the cancer is in the human being Mm, yes and it's a it's a conversation that's a little scary to have because so many people are attached to the identity of where the cancer is whether it's the this group or that group and Having had to heal my own experience and understanding, I understand both sides of that equation because mm-hmm. I walked into a family who taught me a lot of the other side, like what the other side could never see. Mm. And um, so, if by anything, my my life has been prepared for me to be here, and also because the number one thing that has kept me alive through the process of evolving into who I am is unbreakable faith. And it was that this person who abused me in the name of God could not take God from me. And that combination between the, the racial peace and the God peace are the two big things. You know, people say, don't talk about God or. Don't talk or <laughs> about, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, God built me to talk about these things. So I, yeah, I hide out like.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Now that that's, that's totally, um, you know, um, but I suppose that when you get to that realization, you you see now from both sides. Uh, which most of people don 't see, actually, most people have only one sided view yes. and they can 't put even they can 't even imagine putting themselves in the shoes of other people. Yeah. <laughs> How can people you know, have that other kind of experience
1: can right. even to imagine what it is to be on the other side uh, yeah yeah, and, and that literally like I had no idea, you know, I thought my life was hell growing up i mean i was I was hidden on forty acres of land I would hide behind the barn. And I didn't have association with other human beings from the age of four until 11, other than occasionally when we went to the store or something. And I was always in total isolation and, and being incessantly abused. And I just couldn't imagine that that was, like, I felt like I was in prison. I felt was like I was totally controlled, and I thought I had no hope for my life, but yet I wasn't willing to give up on the fact that I knew that was not what my life was supposed to be. And now as I sort of hit the part of the mountain where I'm standing down there going, oh, that was the valley and that was the, that was the turn back because sometimes we climb up the mountain, we mm. like go down the, we feel like we're going down the mountain, we're actually still going up. Yeah. And if I just look at the course of, of life, what I've realized is that those things that are probably our most grievous are also the things that help us serve other people who are mm. suffering from them that are further down the mountain from us. like they've not come up the trail to where we are. They haven't seen the vantage point of what it is to look out and see hope again. They don't understand the breathtaking view that's possible because they're still down trying to catch their breath to climb up the mountain. And um, I think that's ultimately what God has equipped me to do. And um, you know, like I said, it's funny to live in the world of business, but also to live because somebody said, well, if you want to get corporate consulting gigs, you got to tuck all this stuff in. I'm like, I'm not tucking this stuff in. Because honestly, if I never got a corporate consulting gig, but I help people transform their lives and transform their companies, and help them entrepreneurs and business owners become aware and awake, then they can build companies that change yeah. the world. That is the part of the problem in corporate.
0: That is part mm-hmm. of the problem because in corporate, is everything is fake. Everything is yeah. like uh, um, you have to. Everything is formatted. You have to yes. fit in the mold. If you don't, you haven't got your space. You can't breathe. I know yes. that world as well. I came from there. Uh, but this is the conversation that needs to be had to heal also the corporates. Yes. I think, you know, those who are saying don't talk about that, those are not people that are prepared to do any kind of work, therefore are going to keep, you know, yeah. being where they are. But I'm sure that the corporates who are open enough yeah. to be talking about those things and also getting their team around, yeah. Um, I'm sure that those people are going to win, especially this time during the COVID time. How yes. you as a manager will not want to know your you know your staff mm-hmm. who is on the other side, what's going on in their life? Are they okay? You know, yeah. how can you just remove yourself? Being saying that you incorporate when actually everything is online anyway. Yeah, exactly. When you get on Zoom, you see everybody's kitchen or everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> or they're in their the bathrobe <laughs> and they forgot to
1: turn off their video camera. I had that happen on one waiting. One person, it was the head of the company, showed up. I don't think he realized his video turned on and he was literally in his bathrobe with his coffee. <laughs>
0: The, the dog is coming, barking or whatever. You invite yourself in people's house, you know, you got to start to be human, right? And this is the conversation to have, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, you know, definitely this is the conversation that we need to start having to start yes. getting those consciousness also in, uh, uh, in, you know. That's why a lot of people are leaving also corporate to start their own thing because they no longer can suffocate, Yes, what
1: precisely. <laughs> what
0: corporates just keep them, you have to do this, you have to do that. They'd rather go out even if they don't make perhaps the same money that yes. they used to make, but yes. they have their freedom because you, know, you can't just get people in, two, in four walls and expecting them to behave like robots.
1: Uh, exactly. And, and I think that that is, you know, when we look at what's this teaching me, right? So back to COVID because it's across the planet, there's really not any of us, I think at this point, who haven't been impacted in some way by it. And we say, okay, well, you know, yes. Is it, is it grievous? Yes. Is it horrible? Yes. Could it please end tomorrow? That would be fantastic. Yes. But what are we actually getting? And I think that the fact that the corporate world has literally been to an extent blown apart as it has previously been known, Mm -hmm. to find out that indeed businesses can operate. uh, I I have a project that I run that um, I'm a partner in, and we've continued to run that project online, Mm -hmm. yes, in our pajamas and whatever other Mm -hmm. version of the conference Mm -hmm. call that we're on. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't really what it has said is you don't have to drive. I didn't have to drive before, but you know, there's a lot of other people that they're like, Oh, you know, I don't, I found out I really don't have to go to that high rise building every day and not mm-hmm. see my kids for three hours mm-hmm. while I'm sitting in traffic. And and I think that if we were to take this opportunity that COVID has given to us across the world, I, uh, we understand one that our connections are never very far away, such as, you know, the conversation you and I are able to have, you know, yeah. on opposite sides of the world, but Hey, you know what? We're right here. Exactly. And and I think that there's a beauty in that because it actually makes us become more human. It's forcing companies to to recognize that there's more than the facade.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And uh, quite a lot of facade in the corporate. And it's high time that we go beyond that. And um, yes. and your your training will be highly welcome in corporate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, yeah, that that is, luckily I've got a coach that's like, I'll help you frame it up so that it'll fit nicely inside of a corporate proposal because, you know, when you have to start recognizing that every human being, which is really what we're being brought to our rawness right now, I mean, the COVID has broken down our control I, our illusion of control mm-hmm. because when something as big as this and you know, I, I, I really, I get that there's some people that are like, Oh, it's a conspiracy. I'm like, you know what? It's not a conspiracy that the entire planet is basically having to change the way it looks at itself. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is a design, a grand design. And it's uh, through this virus. And if we use it, you know, we can resent it and make it horrible mm. and that can go be in the history books that way. Mm. or we can go oh as of February or March depending on where it rippled out
0: mm-hmm.
1: of 2020 that was the year when human beings realized something different and it we write we have the pen every one of us has the pen for our particular chapter in that book yeah 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 definitely
0: yes what will be your story what will be yeah. your version of this story <laughs> so, I had a fascinating conversation with uh, Mega Bradley. I, can, I hope that you can see how this conversation is uh, so fascinating. And uh, I'm going to bring you the part two of this conversation next week. Um, so it's manageable. And uh, in the meantime, also, I'd love to know a little bit more about yourself. Who are you? my lovely listeners while listening to me i'd like to learn a little bit more about you what you love what you um, who you are where you are when you are listening to this podcast so i have a podcast survey on my website slash podcast and then you're going to find a button which is survey And I'd like to um, let me know actually who you are and um, what you um, like about this uh, podcast so I can uh, best serve you. If you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur and are struggling to attract and enroll your ideal client, apply to a complimentary mini-brand audit session with me so I can look at where you are at with your brand, where you want to be, and together we'll look at the biggest things that are getting in your way of building the business you're dreaming of. Go to francinebelli.com slash audit. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash audit. I only have a few spots open every week, so you want to go there right now. So thank you for listening. The show notes of this episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage francinebelli.com slash podcast with all the references and resources shared on this show. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to show your love and support, share it with your friends and colleagues on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the app where you are listening to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes and leave me also a cool review because it's going to mean that a lot of people are going to see that and it's going to help me spread this message to many more people. I will see you next week for another episode of this season six. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.